Welcome back to episode 31 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of March 5th, 2018. We are going to dive into the AL East this episode, breaking down bullpens, overdrafted and underdrafted sleepers, and we'll dive into some questions from listeners. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. All right, this week in the front office with me are Keith and Phil. We had to send Todd off to a backfield here at spring training for a little extra work, but we'll have him join us in a future episode. All right, well, kicking off this episode, we're going to dive into some questions here from listeners. Who are your favorite starting pitchers to target in the $1 to $2 range and also the $15 to $17 range? After declaring keepers, I desperately need to fill out my rotation and I'd like to snag one higher end guy than two to three cheaper high upside guys. My only starting pitchers I'm keeping are Ray, Godley, Lamette, and Richards. So innings eaters would be a priority. My priority would get rid of a Garrett Richards. <laughs> <laughs> you have a you have a past with Richards. Is that right, Phil? You have a little past him, with uh... him and I are uh, not together anymore. I'm clean and sober. 252 days <laughs> that I have I have not touched Garrett Richards. So it has been a beautiful time in my life. I'm finally free. Don't have to worry about any of the injuries or anything of that nature. Just can be myself again. So he's your Michael Brand. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, Brantley's my Brantley, too, so I don't know about that. (laughs) Kind of upset I missed that part of the pod uh, last week. I was getting my teeth messed with. That was awesome, too. But, yeah, so to answer your question, essentially, though, there's quite a few guys later in the draft that I would take as $1 to $2 range, but the $15 to $17 range, guys are going to be a little iffy for me, depending upon kind of how your league context goes. The $1 to $2 guys, Luis Gohara, we talked about him on an earlier podcast, Jordan Montgomery. Um, these are guys being drafted way late. Probably get them for a dollar, two dollar range. Yeah, just on the on the higher end side of things, maybe not your top ten starting pitchers, um, at least by ADP ranks, but a little bit beyond that, where you can get you know hopefully some steals on a few guys. I like Jeff Samarja. He's much higher on my board than he is on the ADP board. I also am really high on James Paxton. Probably not going to be the inning eater type that you're looking for right there, but again, somebody who I think has a much higher ceiling than what his current draft position is. And then I like what you said, Phil, with Gohara. I also like guys like Tyler Glass now, who's having a good spring. Chad Green is somebody who I find myself drafting in several leagues. He's going to get a shot at the fifth rotation spot there in New York. And if he doesn't, he's still going to be very valuable as a kind of a a late inning reliever with lots of Ks and good ratios. So um, those are guys who I'm I'm kind of targeting um, for both of those positions. Another guy that's just a couple of dollars more than that probably is going to be Rich Hill. I like him, just immense upside. When he's in there, he's been an elite pitcher um, dominating throughout. So he had the blister issue, but I think he's doing pretty good now. Now, Hill did make some changes to how he was gripping the baseball in the second half last year, and that got rid of a lot of his blister issue. And since that point, he's been pretty darn elite ratio-wise per inning, I guess. He needs to talk to Moises Alou. Apparently, he had a special way of uh, getting calluses (laughs) on his hands. You guys can Google that if you really want to. Uh, yeah, just to jump in on the Rich Hill thing, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch that one. Tinkle, on tinkle, little thing. star. 
<laughs> I had run some projections for my rankings that are coming out here in a few days. Nice little self plug there. And Hill is one of the ones that came out so favorably that I had to kind of back him up a little bit because even though I may have him kind of projecting as, as upside of a, a top, you know, 15 to 20 starter, you don't really need to have to draft him there. I mean, you can draft him much later than that, but just in my individual ranks, I have him as a top 20 starter. So obviously Hill is somebody who I think uh, is another really good choice there. And did you already talk about Taiwan Walker? I didn't. Walker somebody who I may target a little bit this year. Uh, you know, there's the the humidor that's going on in Arizona that's going to, you know, zap Goldschmidt's power completely. He's just going to be a... <laughs> a a five eleven, six foot three, you know, whatever he is, stolen base guy from now on with a high batting average. So he'll turn into I don't know. He's a he's a speed only guy now with the humidor, which right, makes you know right. the rotation of the Diamondbacks basically all top twenty starters if that's gonna be the case. So uh Walker at his ADP right now is is probably gonna be a steal. He introduced a new pitch last year and kind of under the radar had a very, very good season last year. That he did. Another guy deep, deep, deeper in the draft is another Arizona starter Patrick Corbin. He has recovered some of the value from, what was it, 2013 when he had his breakout season and has regained the confidence and form of that after Tommy John. So he's somebody to keep on your radar deep in the drafts when you're needing a guy that can put up 180, 190, 200 innings at a good value and won't exactly kill your ratios. And he's motivated uh, maybe financially to get things right this year. It is a contract um, here. Yeah, walk here <laughs> with the Diamondbacks. So he definitely wants to put a good foot forward and uh, and pitch well. He is my 66th pitcher off the board. So definitely kind of a sleeper late in drafts. All right. The next question is going to have a lot of debate here. Or maybe none at all. Uh-oh. Corey Seager versus Reese Hoskins in a keep forever points league. Uh, this guy already has... A shortstop covered and basically just looking for the best offensive player short and long term. Keith, where do you sit? Well, I, I do like Reese Hoskins. I really like Reese Hoskins. And as much of a small sample size that we've seen of him and as well as he's performed, um, I know the gut reaction is to kind of fade him in drafts this year because it's not very likely that he's going to repeat. But I, you know, in looking at his profile, I think he's a much better hitter than what we kind of give him credit for. Um, so I do like his ability to kind of sustain a, a pretty high success within the major leagues. But I also have a really hard time passing up on Corey Seager in a keep forever league when his stock, for whatever reason, has continued to kind of fall since maybe the all-star break of last year. So I'm going to go Seager and I'm going to bank on, you know, a power breakout this year to continue to hit for a high average. He's not going to steal you bases, but the only reason why he's ranked as low as he is is because the shortstops ahead of him are really, really good. So I'm going to go with Seager on this one. I am also going to go Seager, and the reason I'm going to go Seager is uh, obviously because it's a point league. Um, the strikeouts do matter. Uh, strikeouts against uh, Rice, Reese Hoskins is going to be something where uh, Seager doesn't strike out nearly as much, has a higher on-base percentage probably. Um, I, I just think that he's just a better player in that, that format. All right, on to this next question here. I would appreciate some drafting advice. I'm drafting fifth in a 10-team head-to-head points league snake draft. Assuming Trout, Altuve, and Arenado are gone, who would you pick? Um, So it looks like he's picking fifth overall. So picking fifth overall, he's probably going to be faced with a situation where he's going to go Harper or Betts. 
maybe bets, but most likely he's looking starting pitcher because if he doesn't get a starter here, those four starters may be off the board by the time he picks again, or they may, maybe they should be off the board by the time he picks again. So for me, I'm going to go with uh, Max Scherzer, who's the top pitcher on my board, and you know wait for somebody else to, to kind of fall offensively. And if by some stretch of the imagination, the fourth of that you know monster four starters is still there when you pick again, I may double up on starting pitcher right there. I 100% agree with that. I would definitely take a starting pitcher in that slot. Um, I would probably go Kluber over Scherzer, but that's, you know, tomato-tomato type thing. Um, I just prefer Scher- or, or, uh, Kluber over Scherzer. Reason. Um, but, yeah, I agree 100%. With the points league format, I mean, you really want to load up on the starting pitching, and it's okay to do that early. Um, the hitters kind of all blend together kind of in the middle of the draft, so it's not something where you're losing out on value. You just want to load up on the elite starting pitchers because when they get a two-star week, boy, can they set you up ahead. And our last question here, between Thor and DeGrom, who would you rather keep for three years? Phil? I think I'm going to kind of sound stupid for saying this, but I would pick DeGrom because of the injury history of Thor, and I think DeGrom is injured right now, so it's a little weird to say that way, but um, (laughs) I just think that sustainable over the next three years – I think DeGrom is going to be able to do that. While Thor can be the best pitcher in baseball, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to be healthy for all three years. Yeah, I can't disagree too much with that. Um, I always want to kind of lean towards upside, and I feel like there isn't a starting pitcher that has more upside right now than Noah Syndergaard, period. I mean, he's he's outside of you know the the four that we talk about all the time in Scherzer, Sale, Kershaw, and Kluber. But the more I kind of dig in on Noah Syndergaard, the more he kind of creeps closer to that pack. Now he's going to have to put together a really strong season, not a, a portion of a season. He's going to have to do it for you know 32, 33 starts, 195 plus innings, and strike out 270 batters. But I think he's capable of doing that. I'm going to go with Noah Syndergaard. All right. So coming up after the break, we are going to dive into our AL East bullpen breakdowns. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, Ken, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. I- CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Starting off this week, we are diving into the AL East, and we're going to start off in Boston. Their closer is a guy pretty well known named Craig Kimbrell. What other arms are interesting and people should be on the lookout for for holds or potential saves? Um, the, guy, the guy that I'm going to kind of go after, pretty far under the radar since he's only pitched um, in like 
I don't know, 10 innings in the past three seasons is going to be Carson Smith. Um, so I think he's returning from Tommy John surgery. He only pitched in, you know, five or 10 games last year. He did well. His last full season where he pitched in 70 or 80 games was in 2015 before the injury. But he had almost a sub one whip. He had an 11 or 12, you know, strikeout per nine. And he's somebody who kind of gets into his groove. I think he could be very helpful in not only strikeouts, but also pretty good ratios uh, late in that bullpen. Yeah, I got to go with Joe Kelly on this one. He's a Cardinals favorite. He was a starting pitcher down here, turned reliever up there. Guy throws just gas, straight as an arrow, but man... 101 mile an hour is pretty tough to hit. He had a 2.79 ERA last year. He didn't really throw that many innings, but he's a guy that, you know, he got, what, 13 holds last year. I think he can get probably a couple more if they put him in the higher leverage situations more often than they did. I think they probably will also. Yeah, their bullpen's not bad. I mean, they have a pretty decent bullpen put together there, so a couple different options as far as late late options behind Kimbrell. Kimbrell's not going anywhere. He's a statue, so he's uh, going to sit right there in the ninth inning and, and close out pretty, pretty much every opportunity they have unless it's you know four games in a row or something crazy that's pretty much my thoughts as well so let's turn to new york and i'm pretty sure we're gonna have uh quite the bullpen talk here araldus chapman is the closer what other arms are you eyeing in drafts out of this bullpen yes <laughs> pretty much right yes all right so yeah, here's, you, here's the you thing. really can't go wrong with any of them no just yeah i absolutely love the yankees bullpen like it's it's kind of an unhealthy obsession um and i play in a lot of saves and holds leagues so i own a ton of these guys already in the season so Right before we jumped on the podcast, I drafted Dylan Batansis in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and that's not my first share of Batansis this year. And I know that's a saves-only league, but man, I really just want to kind of draft talent right there in that situation and just kind of see what what plays out. And with the rest of those guys in that bullpen, the chances are Batansis isn't getting any saves opportunities, but I don't really care because he's so good. And the rest of those guys in that bullpen are so good. David Robertson's probably the fifth best reliever in that bullpen. And that's, and that's unbelievable. And that's crazy. Tommy Conley had an unbelievable season last year. Chad Green, we already talked about, is going to get a chance at the fifth rotation spot. But if he comes back into the bullpen, he had a, a crazy season last year and these guys are becoming more and more important in today's fantasy because the starters are no longer going you know six seven eight nine innings anymore they're no longer going to pitch 230 innings in a season they're going to pitch honestly 175 to 180 so as they pitch less innings it becomes more valuable to get guys like david robertson like chad green tommy conley even adam warren i mean basically anybody from the new york bullpen to help you out in strikeouts and your ratios stats. I 100% agree with everything you said. And what's crazy is last year, if you're in a save plus hold league, Batances actually had more saves plus hold than Chapman did. I think Batances might be the best reliever in that bullpen. Oh, I don't think that's a doubt. But And he didn't even have a good yeah. season. I mean, just <laughs> right. going in, he didn't have a good season. I mean, you, you look at probably the actual stats between Conley, Green, even Robertson. I mean, he didn't have a good season, but I expect him to, to bounce back really strong. And it's actually providing somewhat of a value coming into the season 
because he kind of got knocked down a little bit last year. And I believe they have said that Green is already making his way back to the bullpen. Well, that's sad. Yeah, that experiment didn't last long. And that does allow having that dominant of a bullpen for the Yankees to keep around a guy like CeCe Sabathia, who's coming off a resurgent year, but is unlikely to repeat. But if you can get five strong innings from him, hand over the keys, let the bullpen handle it. All right, we're going to head north of the border to the Toronto Blue Jays. Their closer is Robert Osuna. Who are we looking at in this bullpen for holds and potential saves? Phil? Well, uh, is someone even healthy? Let's see. Has he officially signed? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did sign. I think he is actually technically healthy. I think he'll probably get some holds. I'm not really a fan of too many people in their bullpen. You know, they have the Luis Santos. He was young only through 16 innings but he had 270 ERA um, had 16 strikeouts I honestly don't know much about their bullpen I know that the one guy that they traded with Leone or whatever was right. was a beast but other than that I don't think they have too much back there that I would be targeting <laughs> in many leagues and I play in some pretty deep leagues yeah I'm not really targeting anybody I mean as kind of a bounce back candidate depending upon where San Juan O landed I could see having a few shares of him but man I don't really love his home ballpark and he's coming off of a tough season last year he's I think almost 36 or 37 years old so you know if the price is right I can see buying in or if O gets a few opportunities I can see you know picking him up off of waivers but I'm not really targeting any of these guys in particular like Phil said also in this bullpen is Ryan Tapera he's kind of a deep league holds guy came off with some good ratios a, a low three ERA and a one 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 two whip definitely got to keep on the radar if you're looking deep in your drafts. All right, let's head to the ever-vacant Tampa Bay Rays. Their closer currently is Alex Colome. And who should we be eyeing in this Tampa Bay bullpen? Alex Colome. Yeah. <laughs> I like Daniel Hudson as a person. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm probably not going to draft him this year. He's the next time back. He was super fun when he was here with the team. And we all followed him, you know, pretty closely. And, and he's a, a funny guy on Twitter, I think. And But yeah, he's had a rough couple seasons after returning from Tommy John surgery. He may get some opportunities in late innings. Sergio Romo may get opportunities in late innings. But if I end up with those guys on my team, I'm probably doing something wrong. Sergio Romo is a guy that I would probably take a flyer on. I'll be honest with you. Just because of his previous experience, his upside, he didn't do terrible last year. He had over a strikeout for nine and, and a low whip, low ERA. I could envision a scenario right. where he... Well, I, I honestly could envision a scenario where they trade Colome away, Romo becomes the closer, and he gets 25 saves. Right. That was the scenario... I was looking at was they trade away their closer and Romo is the guy built in to inherit that role. That would be the handcuff is if you get Colome, you should probably get Romo. And even if you don't throw him on your, uh, in your starting lineup, throw him on your bench. And when he he's needed, then that's where you got him. What about this? What about in that situation? Could you see them rolling with a late inning guy like Jose De Leon? Would they want to do, that? The wanna do that to a young guy though? I mean, I, I can't believe he hasn't gotten the shot right now to, to start I mean he's probably almost two seasons behind and he's not going to crack the rotation right now he's probably got two or three guys ahead of him to crack the rotation even Anthony Bonda who came from the Diamondbacks may have a better shot at making the rotation right now than 
Jose de Leon. So eventually one of those guys in Bonda or de Leon is going to find himself in the bullpen. So that's just, just kind of a, a thought. Also, I had a question for you, Phil, um, as you're talking about uh, Sergio Romo, Sergio Romo or Lou Gregerson. Oh boy. Sergio Romo. Oh man. The Gregerson hate is real folks. No, no sorry. I didn't mean to throw you on the I bus think, on that one. I think it's more bitter and spitefulness than hate. <laughs> But I hope I'm wrong. That's all I'll say. Hope I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong on, Brett, uh, on, on Bud Norris, though. Jesus. <laughs> Launching pad. I'm can't sorry. win them all, man. You can't win them all. All right. Let's turn to Baltimore on that note. Uh, Zach Britton, their closer, is out until around the All-Star break. And Brad Brock is set up to man that closer position until then. Who do we like in this bullpen here, Keith? Well, I don't want to give away all my strategy for what we're going to do in our Dynasty League here in a couple days. But I kind of want to own Britton in a league where I can stash him. He's not going to be available for a long time. But if you have as many DL slots as most teams and most leagues are going to have, I think, in 2018 he should be uh, a top priority stash i think in my opinion so um, i still may end up drafting or picking up britain off of waivers very early on in the season yeah i agree michael Givens is also a guy that you definitely should be targeting especially early early on in the year if you're in a holds league he can definitely set set you apart he had 80 strikeouts last year 275 era and a low one whip so he's a guy that will definitely help your team get those ratios down like we're talking about as some of those bullpen guys uh, Devensky, things like that. He can be a guy that helps you in that kind of area, maybe gets close to 100 strikeouts. All right, that'll wrap up our bullpen breakdowns in the AL East. Coming up after the break, we are going to dive into those guys that are drafted way too high on some of these teams. Has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes? If so, look no further than Rotoshurance, the leader in fantasy sports insurance. Their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as $1.50 a season. You can even receive 10% off coverage this season by using the promo code FFO in all caps during the month of March. Just visit rotosurance.com. That's R-O-T-O-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Or preemptively insure your first or second round picks pre-draft. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotosurance.com. Again, your code to secure 10% off during the month of March is all caps F. F-O. All right, looking at the AL East in Boston, who is the most overdrafted player on their roster? Keith? I was going to let Phil go first, but uh, we'll take this opportunity to tell everybody for the 374th time, Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts <laughs> is being overdrafted. I probably don't need to go into all the reasons because I've already done it a few times, but I just don't like the spot that he's in with his swing. I, I feel like the deeper I look into Xander Bogarts, the more I feel like he's actually lost the plate. 
So he's he's oddly patient, but he swings at terrible pitches. So his swing percentage is really low, which is something that I look at to try and find patient hitters. But then when you look at his zone swing percentage, the strikes that he swings at versus his ozone percentage, which is the, the balls that he chases outside of the zone, he chases way more pitches outside of the zone than he needs to. So he's taking patient at bats. He's seeing pitches, but then he's swinging at dumb ones and he's not doing anything with them. So he's not actually getting a good exit velocity on the on the ball. He's not actually hitting for quote unquote a high batting average. And some of the advanced batting average statistics like, you know, XBA from StatCast, it's not very favorable. It doesn't even, you know, point to him being lucky. So he's somebody who I'm avoiding. He's still being drafted as, you know, kind of like that second tier premier shortstop. And I just don't have him there. Yeah, I 100% agree. If I told you that there was a shortstop that hit 20 home runs once in his career, never stole more than 20 bases and hit over 300 once in his career, are you drafting him in the top 70, 80 picks? I didn't think so. And that's pretty much what Xander <laughs> no. Rogarts is. I mean, he's he's widely inconsistent. I mean, he steals 10 bags a year. I mean, 15 last Last year, seven home runs three years ago, or yeah, three years ago, uh, 21 two years ago, 10 last year. Which guy are you going to get? You have no idea who he actually is. He's never really returned value. Um, I just don't think that he's somebody that I ever really wanted. I mean, he had that awesome year where he batted 320, but still. He had 10 stolen bases and seven home runs. That didn't really help your team that much that year. So I think you can find better options elsewhere. His OPS is is abysmal for where he's being drafted at. You can find guys with 1,000 OPS close to where he's being drafted, and his is 748. It's not worth it. And you nailed it, Phil, because he's not really a, a multi-category contributor. And one of the, the categories that I think – we kind of bank on him to contribute at is batting average, but he's not a batting average contributor. He's actually borderline going to hurt you in batting average pretty soon. Cause if you believe, you know, some of those stats like XBA from Statcast, then he his batting average may get worse. It may not get better. And so then you're left with somebody who doesn't have power, who doesn't steal bases, who doesn't hit for a high batting average, and you're banking on the Red Sox, you know, running him out there in the in the two hole or in the five hole. When really, if his OPS, like you're saying, is so bad, why in the world would you put him anywhere close to JD Martinez, anywhere close to Rafael Devers? I mean, you're going to drop him down in that lineup behind Moreland probably if he loses out on his lineup position, which I kind of expect he will, the floor on him could absolutely fall out and he could give you almost nothing this year. Can I provide a counterpoint? I'm no uh, Xander Bogart's apologist, but news out of Florida in spring training is he and Alex Cora had a sit down and they walked through all these issues that you're talking about. The fact is they decided he's going to be more aggressive going in this year because he was watching too many fastballs just perfectly placed and so he's changing his mindset. It'll be interesting to see if he actually does and if he does be more aggressive and starts hammering those balls that are just meatballs. That's what I would tell him if if I was his coach and I'm no I'm I'm no coach but I mean after digging into him pretty thoroughly a few times now what I would tell him to improve is I would tell him to get up at the plate see ball hit ball and be more aggressive be 
because he's I think he's in his head. Honestly, he's a young player, oh, yes. had a really good season, and then he struggled. So just hit the ball. Like just get up there and be aggressive because he's so patient, but then he gets caught, you know, behind in counts and he has to swing at bad pitches. And he doesn't have good a good eye to determine what's a strike or a ball. So he needs to go out there like Corey Dickerson and just swing away. And I bet you he'd have much better results than what he's having right now. That's almost word for word what he gave in this interview. He said, I used to do that in being aggressive, but last year, I don't know. I got away from that. They'd throw me a lot of meatballs for a strike. Sometimes you want to swing at it, but your mind says this and your body don't want you to do it. And so his hitting coach essentially told him in the end, it's about getting a good pitch and putting a good swing on it. Trusting the work you've done in the cage. If you get a good pitch, just swing hard. Don't try to make contact. Try to do damage. Exactly. And that's kind of what I said at the top of this is he just seems like he's in his head. He's in a weird place where he's patient, but then he's choosing to swing at terrible pitches. So if he, for some reason, breaks out of that funk, maybe he does return to hit for a high batting average. But to Phil's point, still, his upside is what it was a few years ago. He's not going to steal you a ton of bases. He's probably not going to hit for more than 12 or 18 home runs. So he definitely has to return the value on the batting average. And at his current draft position, I'm just not going to bank on that change yet. No. Phil, who's overdrafted in this lineup? Going with Xander Bogarts also. Okay. I just gave all my reasons. Yeah, no, that's the only guy I had. As soon as Keith said, go ahead and go, Phil, I was like, all right, well, I'll throw him out there. <laughs> All right. Well, then on that note, let's turn to the New York Yankees. Who is overdrafted here, Phil? Let's see. I mean, there's there's one guy right off the bat that I'm pretty sure we all could say in unison just because he plays a specific position. Yeah, Gary Sanchez is, that's the one thing. I don't want to repeat that. Hold on (laughs) one second. There is Gary Sanchez. (laughs) All right, where's he going ADP-wise? 24 overall. That's just ridiculous for me. I know he gives you the huge advantage at catcher, but I'm in the great fantasy baseball invitational, and we are having a nice little standoff at catcher. (laughs) And so we are currently on pick 228, and let me name off a few of the catchers that are available uh, real quick on my tangent. So we have Evan Gaddis, uh, Salvador Perez, Mike uh, Zanino, uh, Yadier Molina, Austin Hedges, Wellington, Castillo, uh, Jonathan Lucroy. Wait, hold up, hold up. That's that's pretty much basically everybody. The majority of the top ten there. It's a fifteen team league. How many teams have catchers? Um, four. <laughs> So we're doing a good old fashioned standoff. Good old Mexican standoff there. Nobody wants to pull the trigger and they're just watching all the catchers stack up at the top. Pretty much. And so I think that if you're drafting him 24 and you see somebody in your league, like the rest of your league doing that, how infuriating would that be? Even though you get the advantage, you don't really get that great of an advantage. Because if I get the guy in the you know 18th round, Salvador Perez, somebody like that, you really didn't gain that much of an advantage over me in, in round two, you know, so. I don't know. I think that he would be the guy I would pick. All right, Keith. All right, unpopular opinion. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Unpopular opinion alert. I think Giancarlo Stanton is being overdrafted. Ooh. Zerk. I could see it. I I think that it took his best case scenario and that best case scenario gave him the ninth place on ESPN's player radar last year. Do we envision after the injuries that he's had after the up and down batting average uh, power production, do we think his best case scenario from 2017 is going to get better? Counterpoint. You always like to talk about per game basis. Mm -hmm. Per game basis, Stanton is the best power hitter since he came in the league 2010. Second counterpoint, Yankee Stadium is 
a substantially better stadium to hit in than Miami. So Valid. honestly, I could see him matching last year this year and so i think that that's actually very realistic and so i think that he could even maybe potentially do better as crazy as that sounds because it is yankee stadium because i don't think judge is as good as as stanton but judge looked as good as stanton last year well that makes sense and a and a third counterpoint is that lineup it's a substantial really good i i want a piece of that lineup i just don't know that i want to pay a premium pick for it and that's probably my least favorite place to draft is about where he's being taken, like anywhere mm-hmm. from like nine to 12 or 13, because you feel like maybe it's too early to take guys. You know, you're probably taking uh, Chris Bryant in that area, but you, you just kind of miss out on what I think is a really elite seven or eight hitters. And then you're kind of left to choose. Do I go starting pitcher here? Do I kind of try and get my guy and jump up a few picks? But just kind of to, I guess, further my point here <laughs> in the last four seasons prior to Stanton's 59 home run season. These are his averages from 2013 to 2016. He averaged 29 home runs, 77 RBIs, 64 runs, a 262 batting average, and an 890 OPS. But you were just talking about how bad his team was, number one. Right. And number two, that stadium was miserable. And number three, he was yeah, injured. Think... He was injured, and when he came back from getting smoked in the face, he wasn't right, man. Do you think <laughs> That stadium he, held he in home wasn't. runs from Stanton? Some. Nah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, some. I don't, I don't think. I don't think. feet. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's really. The park, I think, plays more of a factor on other guys. Like, Yelich, I think it's a bigger boost moving to Miller Park than Stanton does moving to Yankee Stadium. I mean, his home runs are 500 feet bombs. They're not. Right. I mean, he's not getting a big boost. Yankee Stadium is better. But, all right, here's, here's the last thing that I'll jump in on this one. And then you guys can counter if you want to. Uh, there's two guys that I would rather own, I think, right now, based on their ADP that can both deliver big, big power production, maybe three. Um, Nelson Cruz is an easy one for me. Uh, I know he's 172 years old. I get that. But he's delivered four seasons now of basically 40 home run production. And if this is the year that he falls off, I will have a ton of shares while he falls off. And I'm happy with that. But he's going around pick 50. And the other person is probably J.D. Martinez who I think you guys have seen in this, you know, this expert tournament, I guess, if you want to call it that, JD's been selected ahead of Giancarlo Stanton several times. Yeah. Now, another guy, honestly, that you could pick a little bit later is going to be E5, uh, Edwin Encarnacion. He's a guy that you can get pretty much around the same spot as Cruz, and he'll give you the, the massive power upside. But see, my thing is, is that he'll give you the massive power upside, but there's there's the floor that's there. I think Stanton's floor really only has to do with injury at this point. I think he is what he is, and I think he's going to perform the way he performed within a small variance. I don't think that it's going to be that much different than what he did yeah. last year. And I guess that's that's kind of the, the final thing, is his best-case scenario delivered him a top-10 finish, barely in the top-10. So he needs to actually improve upon that if he's going to justify his current ADP right now of, like, 10 or 11. Best-case scenario is really not what I want to bank on in that situation. Solid, solid. Solid. All right, let's turn to Toronto. Who is overdrafted here? Man, oh man, I guess it's going to be Marcus Stroman, question mark. 
because of the injury. He's been shut down, probably not going to be available for opening day. At this point, he's going with pick 116. It's been falling and falling and falling. I think someone in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational took him, like, in my league, I think it was, like, 190, like, 180, 190, something like that. Like, he got disrespected, and I was happy to disrespect him. It went nothing to do with him at this point. I do have the stats on Stroman. He's averaging 144. Uh, earliest that he was taken was 120. Lowest 165. That was probably my league then. <laughs> I don't really have anybody that kind of jumps off the page. And I'll give you Justin Smoke, I think, is being overdrafted. But I don't really have a good reason for it. I think part of my, I guess, take on Justin Smoke is first base is so stacked, man. Like like from the very beginning all the way through, guys like Hanley Ramirez and, you know, the Josh Bells of the world. There's so many choices at first base that I just don't find myself kind of gravitating towards taking Justin Smoke even though he had a very, very good season last year. All right, let's turn to Tampa Bay. Who is overdrafted here? Who is left on that roster? I was going to say, who's being drafted? Let's start with that question. Who's being drafted on Tampa Bay right now? So you have Chris Archer, Blake Snell, Jacob Faria, Alex Colomay, and Kiermaier. I've seen pretty, some shares of it. Alex Smith and Wilson Ramos. I don't think that any of those are being overdrafted. No. I agree. If you're uh, drafting Brent Honeywell, you're overdrafting him. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> He's going 256, but I'm just saying if you're drafting him, he doesn't have a ligament in his elbow right now. So that could be problematic for your team. Especially for 2018. There's really nobody overdrafted. Archer's falling into the 50s range, generally. Colomay is later on. Colomay's elite for where he's going. He's going 131. I know that I'm jumping jumping the gun on that one, but man, oh man, I don't know why he falls so late. He's somebody who easily could be at the top of closers even though he's on a terrible team i mean assuming he sticks in that role even in tampa bay like he's somebody who i think i'm targeting because i have a hard time investing a top 50 pick in a closer as good as those you know top two are at the position but you know if column is going to fall to me around pick 120 or beyond i'm, I'm probably going to take him right i agree with that 100 percent. and and just picture him with a bird's uniform on man does that look good <laughs> don't have to even talk about gregerson anymore but Smith is probably, or Bud Norris is probably uh, injured. At this point, you've given him a different name. You don't even want to say his name anymore. Uh, Bud Smith is an old Cardinals pitcher. I believe he was a left-hander. Was he any good? He was decent. I think he threw, was it a no-hitter? Or was it a a one-hitter? I think he threw a no-hitter. So yeah, he was pretty good. Would you take Bud Smith right now or Luke (laughs) Ferguson? Probably. Probably. If I really had a chance, I would say uh, nostalgia over horrible. Oh, man. Hot takes a plenty there, Phil. All right, let's head to Baltimore. Who is overdrafted here? Zach Britton, obviously, but outside of him? Um, I have a few. Uh, Kevin Gossman, somebody who I just can't get behind. And I know I've seen his second half stats and I want to believe in Kevin Gossman. I just don't want to believe in Kevin Gossman. Uh, so he's one off top of the head. And I also I just hate the plate discipline from Jonathan Scope. And I know Phil's like about ready to, you know, tackle me right now for saying that. We've seen his teammate Adam Jones fake a high batting average based on his plate skills for like seven seasons. And so at this point, he is who he is. 
He's an elite hitter with bad plate discipline. But the track record for those types of hitters are very small. And so I want to see a little bit more from Jonathan Scope before I just give him like, you know, top five second base potential. And so much of his value came from counting stats. So just not the safest floor, in my opinion. He doesn't even steal bases. I actually agree with that 100%. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, from a second baseman, he doesn't really do what you think he should do. He's a cool guy to put on your team if he can replicate last year, but I don't think that that's going to happen. But anyways, Dylan Bundy's the guy that I was going to pick. For some reason, he's been hyped up since he was so young. Came up as, what was it, his rookie year, I think, was... The year he got drafted, I think he was like 18 or 19 years old. Man, he only threw a couple innings and then he had Tommy John surgery and was in the minor leagues and struggled, struggled, struggled. Comes up to the major leagues and he really hasn't done much, but he's still being drafted decently high. Pick 184. I think I would just pass on him altogether and take somebody else. I definitely agree with that there, Phil. All right, coming up after the break, we are going to dive into sleeper picks and underdrafted in the AL East. Hey everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018 edition. This year, I've got Paul Spore doing the starting pitching chapter. I've got Jake Seeley doing outfield profiles. I've got Sammy Reed doing DFS. we got championships waiting for you. Go get it right now, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018, available on Amazon and paperback and for Kindle and on iTunes, because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. All right, it's time for sleepers and those who are underdrafted. So, heading to Boston, who is getting drafted later than they should be? Hanley Ramirez got to it first, Keith. <laughs> I was I was actually <laughs> trying to find the tweet from uh, from a couple days ago, so I'm glad you beat me to it. <laughs> He's going pick 287. He's Hanley Ramirez. I mean, he had a bad year last year, but he's definitely not a bad hitter. I mean, he's a little old, but I would say that, you know, him as a DH or a first baseman is not something where you're too concerned with his health. I think that he's going to bounce back in a big way. And I do believe he actually came into camp in shape this year, having lost 10, 15 pounds and actually did some work in the offseason to prep for this year. Not quite the Kyle Schwarber diet, but every little bit helps. Can we talk about this Kyle Schwarber thing for a second? (laughs) All right, so hold on. I found the the tweet here. So 2016 stats and ADP. All right, so bear with me. This is going to be a lot just uh, pretty quickly. Rattle it off. So player A, all right, is being drafted around the 350 range. And in 2016, he had a 286 six batting average with 30 home runs, 111 RBIs and 81 runs. So that's what he produced in 2016. He's currently being drafted around 350. That sounds good, right? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Now player B is being drafted in the top 25. And in 2016, he had a 240 batting average, 27 home runs, 74 RBIs and 56 runs. Now player A had more games. He had 146 games. Player B had 119. Any any wild guesses on who these two players are? Uh, uh, it's Hanley Ramirez and Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, I'm just saying recency bias is yeah, a nasty drug. But it can provide you with some excellent steals in drafts. Yeah, so Hanley's extremely underrated. And I, I don't know if he's going to bounce back to 2016 form, but even 70% of that at pick 300 plus is an unbelievable value. The only problem is, is right now he doesn't have a position. So if your uh, league doesn't use a utility or 
whatever spot for whatever reason, he's unusable to you. So <laughs> watch out for that. That's what I'm telling you. We need to start talking about combining the catcher and the DH position and then just eliminating catcher altogether. Long tangent. Hit me up on Twitter, fantasy underscore Keith. Let's talk about it. Man, the last catcher that... No, I'm going to get on my tangent now. The last catcher <laughs> that I actually enjoyed in fantasy baseball was Victor Martinez, and then he blew his knee out, and then no more Victor Martinez catcher. Since. Yeah. No, he caught a couple of games one year, and I thought he was going to get eligibility, and I was so pumped. And he got to like eight, and I was like, damn, that sucks. It happens. Sorry, my tangent's over. You guys can go. All right, well, anybody else on this roster that's underdrafted or a sleeper type? Warder Rodriguez has the upside of like it's top 25, top 30 starter if he can stay healthy. Tons of strikeouts, uh, tons of ability, just never really can stay healthy. So, you know, short on pitching late in the draft, and you just want to take a flyer on a guy, I think I would probably shoot for him. Um, Eduardo Nunez severely severely underdrafted i don't need to go on all the reasons why but his per game production has been freakish and he just because he's been traded so many times and because he doesn't have a defensive position he is a much better hitter than what he gets credit for and his fantasy production has been unbelievable i think another reason why his adp is a little bit higher is because he didn't actually have a team until not very long ago and a lot of this data is you know being compiled from obviously when he didn't have a team so uh, I think that 143 is probably a little closer to maybe a pick 100 right now I don't know Jeremy where is he going just, in the just to clarify I have in my shortstop ranks assuming that Nunez is qualifying at shortstop in your your league I have him ahead of Bogarts in my shortstop ranks so which, so he's not good valid. no he is he is good oh, one's being he's drafted. good he's good but one's not he's kind of the end of the tier there then well one's being drafted at you know pick 50 and the other one's being drafted at pick 150. So, I mean. Gotcha. Eduardo Nunez, he is going average 146 in the great fantasy baseball. There you go. Oh, wow. Surprising me. Highest he's went is 130. Lowest is 164. Wow. That's really surprising to me, especially with how much I've been chasing steals. Yeah. He's been drafted in nine of the 13 leagues so far. The other leagues haven't even got that far yet. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> All right. Let's turn to the New York Yankees. Who is is underdrafted here the bullpen the entire bullpen yeah that one's that one's hard to argue against Sonny Gray is honestly a guy that I uh, trying to target a little bit earlier than what he's being uh, drafted at he's being drafted 125 I think he can be a, a top 10 top 20 maybe not top 10 top 15 top 20 starter especially with the Yankees being you know pretty good team this year he's going to get a lot of wins with that roster as long as he can stay healthy I know a lot of the guys I've been talking about today have uh, some injury concerns but if he can stay healthy I think that he can yeah, outperform Tanaka, who's going, what, 35 picks early? Yeah. I have Brett Gardner as, as being underdrafted right now. NFBC has him as the 46th outfielder off the board. Um, I have him at 35, and that's including a lot of multi-eligible players. So I may, if you just look at strictly outfield, I may have him, you know, as like a definitely a third outfielder. So he's somebody who I may be pretty high on as compared to other experts in the industry. Someone in this room is going to say uh, Aaron Hicks. I was going to bring him up, like Aaron. Aaron Hicks. <laughs> 
<laughs> switch hitter. The center field job is his as of right now. And uh, man, it's tough to argue with that. Like he was on pace for a 2020 season last year, got hurt, came back, picked up where he left off. And he's going to get to see a lot of good pitches being in that lineup, whether he's batting ahead of or behind Judge, Stanton, Bird, Sanchez, somewhere in there. He may bat seven in this lineup, and that's kind of insane. Yeah, the one thing we talked about, Hicks, a little bit last year. The, <laughs> a little ad nauseum almost. Yeah, the one thing that uh, he was missing last year in what I, I looked in on him was the power. And so if he can grow into, and he's not, you know, 24, 25, so he's not going to grow into some natural power. But if he... <laughs> Did you see the picture? <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, dude looks like he's Jim Seiko walking around. I said he's not going to grow into some, quote, <laughs> natural power. All right, well, that's why I said Jose Canseco. Dude was jacked. If he does take the the plate skills and and grows upon that for a second continue, like you know, for a second season in a row, and does add a little bit of pop to his bat, he his stock will rise significantly. Because that, in my opinion, was the only thing that he was missing was just a little bit more pop, a little bit more exit velocity coming off that bat. So, all right, let's head north of the border again to Toronto. Who is underdrafted on this roster? Well, I wrote a little bit about this. I think Josh Donaldson, as crazy as it sounds, being underdrafted, he's going pick 27. I think he's still a top 10 pick. If you can get him in the early second round, I think it's easy money to the bank. As long as he can stay healthy. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's your theme tonight. <laughs> I didn't want to say it on everybody, but I mean, on a on a per-game basis, as Keith wants to always talk about, um, not that I'm bashing it or anything, it's a legitimate thing. It, it's just per-game basis, he had 113 games last year and 33 home runs and 78 RBIs. There's not many guys that are on a pace like that and that was with a pretty rough month you sandwiched somewhere in the middle of there because i I owned him and i was like pulling my hair out but that's not the type of hitter that josh donaldson is i mean he's not immune to going through rough stretches but that's not the type of hitter that we know he is so i fully support that i think if anybody's underdrafted it's probably him it's really hard to get him that far up the ranks into the the top 10 or top 12 because there's so many good hitters but i mean i'm not going to disagree with you all right let's head to tampa Bay. Any kind of sleeper picks we're seeing on this roster? Brittany Honeywell. <laughs> For 2019? <laughs> the second half? Yeah. Honestly, there's not really too many sleeper picks because there's not many people getting picked. We already talked Alex Colomay there, so... Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, that's really the only guy that I was thinking. I'll throw out a super deep one. Um, Carlos Gomez. I think the hate has fallen a little bit too far for Carl- Carlos Gomez. He's still decent option in, in super deep leagues. I mean, his offense isn't going to turn over a ton. He's going to hit in a pretty good spot in third or fourth in that lineup. I still think he's got a little bit left in, in the tank. Um, let's see. Just right off of roster resource they've got his projections at about 550 plate appearances 22 home runs 22 stolen bases a 252 batting average and a 329 on base percentage about to draft him if that's the case Well, and, and here's the thing. He and, and Phil's going to knock on my, my per game deal here, but that's something that I look at pretty often because it, it helps me kind of erode away the perception on certain players. And injuries are unpredictable. I mean, they happen to – these guys are all right. like freakish athletes. And so it's not like these guys are injury prone. Like the injuries just happen. I mean, they're playing in a professional sport. So, I mean, yeah, once you get to 35, 36, 37 years old, your your body literally Albert Pujols is down. I mean, breaks down and... (laughs) 
<laughs> but I mean, you can't really predict. You have to hate on pools, don't you? Pools ever do to you? Plantar fasciitis. Uh, anyways, that was those. I think he did that to himself. Uh, yeah. I, my point is, you can't really predict injuries. So I think Carlos Gomez could kind of, he could even fake a high batting average. He did it for a few seasons when he was a borderline, you know, top fantasy asset. So could he do it again at age 32? Nah, maybe he could. The investment on that right now is really super low. So he's going to be on waivers. If he starts to hit well, I mean, pick him up right away and just ride the hot streak. The fact that he's still stealing bases is something that's really promising for me because that means that his, his health is there, his legs are there, and that's his main asset because he's he's got the power. You know, he hits you know decent pop in his bat, but his main asset is going to be his legs, which you were talking about earlier. That's how he faked that high batting average for a couple of years. So I think that if he can hit into some good luck and hit maybe 280, 290, and that'd be a really good season for him. I just looked it Absolutely. up. Fantrax has his projection at uh, 53 runs, 51 RBIs, 15 home runs, 16 stolen bases, and a 237 average for Carlos Gomez. Honestly, the, the Fantrax has seemed kind of light on their projections for hitters that I've seen so far. So I take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, very conservative. Can't trust those Fantrax guys. Hanley Ramirez just came off the board in my invitational draft at pick 285. Wow, wow. And I got snaked with that one. Somebody give that guy a medal. All right, let's head to Baltimore. Anybody on this roster you're looking at that's underdrafted or could be a sleeper pick this year? Not underdrafted, but uh, Dylan Bundy's a guy who I think uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind a few shares of. <laughs> I've been touting Bundy since the beginning of last year. So one of my bold predictions last year was that Bundy was going to be, I think, a top 25 starter, top 30 starter. He wasn't that, but he had a, a pretty good year last year, but it was a roller coaster ride. Um, he he messed around with a few different pitches. Some had success, some didn't. And around that range is where I kind of take shots on guys. So like Phil was saying before in, in the uh, overdrafted section, around 170, there's a few choices to kind of take picks on. And um, I was targeting him in my draft here recently. I ended up missing out by a few picks, but um, he's somebody who I'll have a few shares of this year. And Carlos Gomez just went in my draft at 286. Wow. The guy at the turn just took both of them. So is he listening right now? Is he this live stream? I don't know. Is this going on right now? Is is he listening? I don't know, but it's kind of weird. Like hiding out in Phil's basement or something. (laughs) Cousin Nolan's house. (laughs) Cousin Cousin Nolan Nolan is in the great fancy baseball invitational. (laughs) (laughs) Drafting live from Phil's basement. (laughs) All right. Well, That'll wrap up our AL East breakdown. I don't know how that that worked out, but where can the people find you? Any articles coming out, guys? Keith, kick us off. All right. I have some ranks that are going to be posted on Fantrax pretty soon, so yell at me on Twitter. Be sure to make me feel really dumb about my outfield ranks. I took like an hour plus on them, and I moved guys up and down and up and down and up and down, so there's going to be some really weird ones. I really want you to point out which ones are dumb and tweet at me. Fantasy underscore Keith. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Phil? I am Phil, and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. I know I was teasing a little bit ago about how I'm going to be dropping some prospect uh, articles here in a second. I just finished that up, and I'll probably be dropping that tonight. Yes. Yes. All right. You can find Todd at Goldie Happens. Myself, Jeremy, I have been at Front Office Jer. Follow the podcast at Fan Front Office, and be sure to check out the website. We've got a couple new writers joining us. Welcome 
Andrew as the latest author to join us. We've got a bunch of good stuff going on over at fanfrontofficepodcast.com. And until next week, man, good luck in your drafts. <laughs>